You're listening to the Storyteller Series from The Salvation Army. For more information or to share your questions and comments, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org. The Book of Acts, Chapter 23 Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul the prisoner sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, what is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Don't tell anyone you have reported this to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready, a detachment of two hundred soldiers, seventy horsemen, and two hundred spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows, Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency Governor Felix. Greetings. 
This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had learned that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers, carrying out their orders, took Paul with them during the night. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. Here in chapter 23, this week we find Paul still on trial before the council. And we find the council actually encountering some um, confrontation internally. And Paul, it looks like, rather skillfully exploits some difference of opinion that the Pharisees and the Sadducees have, particularly concerning the resurrection. Paul uh, highlights the resurrection of the dead, and the Pharisees, which was one Jewish sect of this day, believed in the resurrection of the dead, and the Sadducees, another sect of this time, and a, a more elite group, a uh, group with um, a little with more wealth and status, generally speaking, did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And when Paul highlights the resurrection of the dead, it leads to there being a conflict between these two factions within the council. So it looks like Paul sort of skillfully manages this conflict to uh, lead to some difference between the two groups. And it's interesting as well that the Pharisees end up becoming, after the temple is destroyed, the dominant religious group within Judaism. And really, the Pharisees are the forefathers of the Jewish rabbinical movement that essentially creates Judaism as we know it. And the Sadducees are a sect that die away uh, after the temple is destroyed because so much of their belief centered around the proper worship at the temple and following the, the temple law very exactly. And so it's interesting to see this conflict at this point uh, and these differences being highlighted because we really don't have very much outside of uh, some Jewish writings and the New Testament to describe how the Pharisees and the Sadducees differed. And what we have written about the Sadducees later is written from the perspective of Pharisees because they ended up winning this conflict. And so it's written with a particular bent to it. I'm intrigued by uh, how we navigate as the church contemporary differences. The, the gospel is inherently controversial. And so what do, how do we as a church navigate 
the differences, the controversies of other people groups when we are trying to bear faithful witness to the gospel. You know, Caleb, that's such a good question to ponder. It really is. And I was just looking again at that chapter and as this uh, dissension arises, and I, I'm trying to imagine what this is like for Paul, who is his Lord is the Prince of Peace. And uh, and what what kind of feeling might that be for him, uh, that there is that dissension? And then we see again the Lord stood before him and said, we read in verse 11, Take courage, for you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And I just, I, I kind of want to claim that promise as well for us today. Take courage, for you have testified to the facts about me. And, and I think that speaks into also our situation today in our church today and when dissension sometimes happens. Uh, as you said, the gospel is uh, controversial. Uh, I think I, I don't think that there uh, is any fusion in God. I don't think that there is strife. I don't think that all those things uh, are from God, but but there is disagreement. There are disagreements that happen. And, and, I, and I think that the overarching measure that we can kind of measure it up against is, is when that happens, is there, uh, is there love that is overarching in this? What, what, what is it, the truth that is spoken? Uh, take courage, for you have testified to the facts about me. If the focus is right, if the, if the focus is on Jesus and it is not about any particular agenda or it's not about me, it's not about my desires, but it is about Jesus, it puts it into a different perspective, I think. That's actually a good point because that's kind of how we see Paul handle this the whole time. He's just level-headed. Um, he knows that there's opposition. He knows that there is even opposition in their own group. Um, but he just remains level-headed and he just speaks the truth. Um, and I think that's what we have to do today as well, you know, whether it's race issues, whether it's um, um, societal issues or um, just differences. You know, if we want to come together as a body, <laughs> you have to just understand those differences, hear them, but speak the truth that you believe as well and, and be confident in that, especially if you're called um, to do so. So I think empathy is the number one way for us as Christians to show that we hear other individuals' concerns. And so that may be lacking in a lot of ways, you know, and in, in a lot of disputes. But I think that's what we can do is begin to show empathy to what maybe the point that someone's bringing up to us or their view, but also be confident and and, and be courageous in speaking the truth. Um, and so I like that Paul did that. I like, I mean, they they're they're plotting to kill him and all this stuff, but hey, <laughs> he's he's speaking the truth. And, and God shows that he rewards that. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with a friend. You can subscribe to the Storyteller series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your own favorite podcast store. For more information, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org.